on? Everybody can hear me? I'll bring it up a little bit. How's that? Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. My life is hid with Christ on high. You guys just sing that song or did you did you internalize it? Did you just say words? Does it penetrate your heart? Because I know that I I've been redeemed. I know that in my former way of life, I was a slave to the lust of the flesh. But see, my life is hid with Christ on high. My life is hid with Christ on high. And therefore, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the one, risen Son of God. Let's pray. Lord, God Almighty in heaven, our Abba Father, we love you so much, God. I'm so thankful for this opportunity, Father, to be here in this place. Lord, I'm so thankful that though I'm around familiar faces and great people, Lord, the name of Jesus has been exalted. The name of Jesus, your Son, has been exalted, Lord. What a privilege it is, Lord, to be able to do that here. Lord, thank you that in your infinite plan and your perfect and sovereign plan, you knew that a crooked and a wretched generation and race like us would need a Savior. The law couldn't do it. Lord, your son said, I'll go. So Lord, for that, I stand in amazement, Father, and I have nothing but a thankful heart this morning. Because, Lord, I know that I was once lost, but now I've been found. Thank you, God. Love you so much. Please speak through me, Lord. And I pray that your word, your Holy Spirit, would prick the hearts of every single one of us standing here, sitting here, Lord, this morning. Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord. Bless this time, Father God. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Wow. I tell you, I was hit with that song. And it wasn't just the song, you know. It's just the last few days of my life have been absolutely chaotic with uh, having a baby. As you probably noticed, my wife is actually going to have a baby. And uh, it's going to happen in a couple days. And, um, and so uh, we're thankful for so many prayers of, of many of you. Um, but... We are living with my parents and we're looking for a house and it's, it's, it's just been, it's been difficult for the girls. Uh, but you want to know something? Uh, see, the Lord is our firm foundation, right? We are, we are firmly planted in Jesus. And I, I know, I believe that, that he has a plan. Um, yeah, I, I struggle. Yes, I sin. And yes, there are days that I doubt. I wish I didn't admit that to you guys. But see, I'd be a liar if I didn't. There are days that I doubt. But I've seen the power of the Holy Spirit explode in front of me, within me, over the last couple days. It's literally in the last couple days. And so I appreciate uh, the things that were spoken uh, this morning. I appreciate the music. And I just, more so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of the, uh, the power of, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so I just uh, noticed that the microphone went up, but trust me, I'm going to get louder. So uh, you might want to flip that right back down. I'm reminded as I'm up here in this white shirt of uh, a few years ago uh, at Cheshire Bible Chapel. By the way, um, we are... Um, Cheshire Bible Chapel sends uh, its greetings you guys, and, um, and we, we love you. I, I love you guys, so many of you, 
dearly. But um, there was a few years ago where at Cheshire Bible Chapel, we had a speaker. He was, he was a guest speaker. And uh, during the breaking of bread, we're passing the cup around. And this particular uh, speaker takes the cup and misses his mouth. And it goes all over his nice white shirt. And now this dude is typically disheveled as it is. So uh, you can imagine. Say, what, what? <laughs> James comes up. <laughs> to the pulpit, and he's got this big stain on his shirt. And let me tell you, let me tell you, we ranked on him. So I was very careful this morning. In fact, you want to know, I think I took a cup that was already drunk. I'm not kidding you. I'm like, let me select a cup that's a little lower. And then I'm like, why do I see something around the, the rim of that? I hope you guys aren't sick. Oh, man. The Lord is good. Let's get into Psalm 1. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalms 1. It's an awesomely poetic book. I'm sure many of you guys have spent many hours in the Psalms. I'm sure many of you have various Psalms that you have memorized. And it is indeed a beautiful book. And I think that the Lord had placed this on my heart to preach from Psalm 1. As I said, it didn't really synthesize. It didn't really come together until a couple of days ago. But... But uh, the Lord is faithful, and, uh, and I, I hope that we might be able to glean something from this morning. Um, Psalm 1 is a preface to the entire book of Psalms. It's sort of an introductory psalm. Uh, some, have it, uh, some scholars believe that it was uh, connected with or a part of Psalm 2 as well, and that formed the introduction to the entire book of Psalms. Um, psalms, as you well know, it's a volume of hymns and songs and prayers, and it is indeed a beautiful book. Um, it was also uh, used in Jewish culture, culture uh, during these times as, uh, as a, once again, a musical book. Uh, there would be harps and uh, there would be music. There are musical uh, measures, and, and, uh, and I don't know exactly what you call them in the music, but uh, where it stops and and uh, where there's supposed to be a crescendo. And so we see that when we read the Psalms. Um, this Psalm 1, though it's not entitled, and it's, an author has not been placed to this Psalm, we believe that the Psalm has been written by the, uh, David, King David. And uh, some, some scholars believe that it could have been his son Solomon. But either way, uh, both men had uh, some good life experience life experiences that uh, would give them some insights uh, in, into uh, what we're about to read here. So let me give you an objective. I know we have a, a, a few teachers in the room here. Uh, they like to see that we have objectives for this. I'm a teacher, by the way, and uh, they want to see the objectives in the front of the room. I, I don't do that typically, but uh, it's all right. Uh, so what, what is the objective of this psalm, you might ask? What, what is the point of it? And I, I think this is, this is a good point. For the psalm, a good objective to teach us the way of the blessed, teach us the way of happiness, but also to warn us of the sure, the sure destruction of sinners, of the wicked. Um, one of the individuals that I tend to read often and listen to is Alistair Begg. Scottish uh, preacher, and he, uh, he sort of takes it another level. He says it's not just uh, to teach us like the way to righteousness, but it lays out beautifully, it illustrates different dimensions of righteous life, of the righteous life, and also dimensions of the wicked or the ungodly life. And so when we go through the book of uh, Psalm 1 right now, you will see that there are two pathways. You will see that there is the pathway of the righteous and there is a pathway of the wicked or the ungodly. And guess what, folks? There is not a third. That does not exist. Two pathways, and that's it. So, 
I said, how? What is another way that I could, I, I could introduce the, 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 the psalm to you guys? Um, I think there's a problem here, okay? And let me share with you what I wrote down that the problem is. I've already mentioned that there are two pathways in life. Uh, D.A. Carson says that uh, this is a biblical absolute. This is a biblical absolute. There is not a third way. Though you might think that you're a righteous person and occasionally you sin, maybe there's a third option. There is not a third option. I mean, I mean the Bible is emphatic about that. There's two ways. There's the way of the godly or the righteous and the way of the wicked or ungodly. So here's the problem. You might be thinking, I'm on the way of the righteous. I'm on that pathway. I'm on that road. How did you get there? So here's the problem. We cannot tread the righteous pathway or life apart from Christ. You can't get on that pathway without Christ. You can't tread that pathway without Christ. So, this psalm beautifully displays Christ's redemptive work and that no human can be blessed or happy or produce any fruit outside the family of God. But, those who do walk according to His ways, the Word of God, are called blessed. They will delight in God's law. They will experience God's benefits. <laughs> they will one day be with Jesus in eternity. See, it's not just a matter of a pathway, folks. It's not just a matter of, well, I said the prayer, I'm saved. I've been shifted to that pathway because prior to your conversion, you were on your way to hell. It's not just a matter of that. It's an understanding that once Christ has redeemed you, once He has, has, has done that transformative work in your heart, you delight in His law. You, 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 you are... I, Obsessed with his law. And the Bible is very, 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 very clear that there are benefits to following Christ in this life. Certainly, eternal benefits as well. So, once again, the problem is, is that we got two pathways. One the righteous and one the ungodly. You can't get on that pathway outside of Jesus Christ. So why would David had why would David write this psalm? What what do you think would would have been uh, David's purpose or motivation for writing this psalm? And this is what I believe. I think uh, if you read through Second uh, Samuel, it gives you some idea. If you read through the different psalms, you uh, Psalm thirty two, Psalm twenty three, Psalm fifty one. I mean, I could go on and on you might see why the Holy Spirit inspired David to write this psalm. As an introduction to the book of Psalms, he was unambiguously aware that we as humans are prone to wander. I almost wanted to sing that song this morning. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Whoever wrote that song was 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 really a, a, a humble and honest man or woman. Correct? I mean, wouldn't you agree with that? I think far too often Christians Christians uh, walk through life and 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 they have this sort of arrogance about them, like I've been redeemed. In fact, I preach up here. Let me tell you what I learned from the Bible last night. Meanwhile, this hymn writer is saying, "I am prone to wander." I'm prone to leave the God of love. It makes me think of like magnetism, right? It makes me think of magnetism where, uh, you, you know, you try to put the north side and the north side together on a magnet and it, it just doesn't work. 
All right, but when you flip that other side, you have the north and the south, and it wants to connect together. Uh, why are we, if, if, if Christ has truly redeemed you and I, if Christ has truly given you new life, you're no longer a slave to sin, but you're a slave to righteousness, then why is it that you will repel? But that hymn writer was honest. He was saying, I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I think David had a real, genuine understanding of the proneness and the, and, and, and the sinful uh, sort of way of, of the Christian or of the human. Here's the good news. Blessedness or happiness is clearly attainable, right? It is absolutely attainable. It is a reality for one person, for one individual, and that is the Christ follower. Folks, I'll say, to you, I'll say this to you, and, and this, is, this is not the words of Steve Kowal. It, it's, it's truly not the words of Steve Kowal. If you think that you can walk through life disconnected from the vine, disconnected from Jesus Christ, or, or simply put, you don't need Christ, you are sorely mistaken. You are sorely mistaken. And experience, the experiencing of blessedness, that will be absent from your life. Sure, will there be a season of pleasure? Doesn't that say that in the Proverbs? My mom used to say that to me. Oh, Stephen, you know there's pleasure in sin for a season. Sure. But the joy that is deep, that is absent from the person apart from Christ. So, once again, we want to recognize that there are the two pathways. There are the pathway of the righteous and the pathway of the, of the wicked or the ungodly. And let's see what David has to say about that. Psalm 1. I'm going to read through the entire psalm and then I'll go, I'll go through it for you guys. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. We see the opening of this book of Psalms, 150 of them. Blessed, blessed, happy is the man. Happy is the man. You know, the Hebrew word is esher. That's a person that is overcome with joy. That is a person that is, that you think of the idea, it's not, it's not a fleeting uh, happiness. It's not a fleeting happiness. I got my paycheck today. Let's do it. No. That's a fleeting happiness because you know what happens? You get that paycheck. You pay your bills. You maybe go out and have a little fun. And then it's gone. But see here, the idea in the Hebrew is that this is a perpetual, continual. It is a relentless happiness that the man of God experiences. There is another individual who began his sermon with the word blessed. You might remember Matthew chapter 5, Jesus teaching from the mount. Starts that off. Blessed. The, the Greek word there is makarios. And what's interesting about the Hebrew and the Greek word for blessedness is that, number one, it's used almost entirely to describe the condition of a Christian, of the believer. It is not used in context where we're talking about an unbeliever. So I found that interesting, number one. And number two, um, it's plural. And you might say, what does that mean? It's plural. Well, let's see if I can, I, I can make some sense of this. Don't think blessedness. Think blessednesses. It, 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 
it denotes this this idea of of a a a plural blessing this this like this unending um it's not just like uh, there's a blessing from the lord it's like blessings upon blessings upon blessings upon blessings happiness so, somebody had written in, in in my study happiness is i think i added another uh syllable there yeah i might have but it, but 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 the hebrew there is plural so the man or the woman that is fixing their eyes on Jesus, that is delighting in the word of God, is happy. Now why is he happy? Because he avoids companionship with the, with the ungodly. He's happy because he takes pleasure in the law of God. We see David write about that in uh, Psalm 119. He understands Christ's redemptive work in his life. That's why he can shout for joy from the mountaintops. Blessed are the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. He walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Now, um, you might be somewhat familiar with this passage and you might have noticed something about uh, sort of a progression. It said, Blessed are the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who does not stand in the way of sinners, who does not sit in the seat of the scornful or scoffers. So we see this idea of, of, of blessed are the man who does not, he's placed in a negative sense, the, 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 the righteous man, the man of God, and I, I know I keep saying man. I mean man or female, obviously, okay? Not both. Um, is, the man, is the man who, who, who walks uh, not in, in, in the counsel of the ungodly. And what we see here is this sort of progression, as I had just mentioned. Um, it, it's... Think of, of, think of when, men, you're sitting at your computer. Think, women, of when you are with your friends. And there are the temptations that certain people face, whether they're on the computer, whether they're with a group of people, whether they go out and, and uh, spend a Friday night somewhere, there are temptations. And see, the psalm starts off here and says, says, Blessed and happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Don't even walk with the wicked, David is saying here. Steer clear of sin and the influence of the ungodly. The believer has no business walking alongside the ungodly. Now, of course, should we be a light in a dark world? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't think what David means here is for you to isolate yourself entirely. What he's saying is that do not make your life about associating with the ungodly. Do not make your life about don't make your conduct such that when the wicked go out and they're doing whatever at the bars, you're alongside of them. Don't make your life about when you're sitting at your computer trying to get work done, you're clicking and you're moving into that tempting direction. Don't make your life about that. He says, don't walk along with the ungodly. Because if you're walking along with the ungodly, you're comfortable in that relationship with the ungodly. Eventually, what you're going to do is you're going to sit around and you're going to stand with the sinners. Now, what has happened to the man of God? What has happened to the righteous one? The righteous one is getting a little more comfortable in the company of the ungodly. 
The righteous one is now standing in the company of those who mock the name of Jesus, who blaspheme the name of Jesus. But see, it doesn't stop there. Because once you have walked, and then you have stopped and stood, eventually, you know what you're going to do? You're going to sit down and get even more comfortable. There's an interesting note here for uh, the standing portion here. Nor stands in the way of sinners. Uh, this, uh, this has this idea of, of an individual loitering like this. Loitering. And just waiting for maybe some sinners to come by. Waiting for that opportunity to pass by. And then that individual is going to sit down with it. Or in it. And so I wanted to ask you guys the question, because I had to ask myself the question. Are we standing around waiting for sin to pass by? Are we waiting around and just standing there? Waiting for something that um, is appealing to us? Something that we know that is, that is outside of the will of God? Outside of, 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 of Jesus' righteousness? Are we waiting around for that? I had to ask myself that question. The portion that says, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, sitting down in the seat of scoffers. This implies an even greater deliberation. I'm thinking it through. It's premeditative. And I'm okay with it. And the word for scoffer or scornful, now these are not just people who are neutral concerning the word of God. They're not simply just, uh, I'm not over here, I'm not over there, I'm, I'm neutral, I'm okay with the word of God. We're not talking about that. We're talking about scoffers. We're talking about individuals who mock and disdain and hate the ways of Jesus. They hate biblical worldview. They will do anything to, to stop or thwart the activity or the, uh, the, the mission of the gospel. They will debate on, at any given uh, situation that, that is made available. Hopefully, in the case here, we can place ourselves in the negative sense like, the, like these first three verses are written. Hopefully, we don't stand with sinners and sit with them and walk with them. think David was on to something because you see something change here in verse 2. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. So the righteous person does not hang out and keep company with those who mock and disdain the word of God. The righteous one does not consider the advice of the ungodly. No, the righteous one delights in the law of the Lord. The righteous one habitually reads the word of God. The redeemed adores God's commands and his laws. They had, we had the, the, the redeemed, I, I was just about to say we, because I'm hoping that you're on the same page. We have an insatiable hunger for the word of God. Do you feel that way? I mean, do you feel that way when you get home from work and the kids go to bed? Maybe some of you don't have kids that are going to bed at your own house. But do you feel that way when you break open the word and you say, man, I can't, I'm driving home. I can't wait to get into the word tonight. Because the redeemed, David is saying here, that's, that is the lifestyle of the one that is righteous. I mean, I mean, the, the word of God is, is gold. To the Christian. 
He meditates on the law day and night. Listen, this that's not pretty poetry right there. I mean, it is, but what I mean is that David had something else in mind there. He says he meditates on it day and night. He means that from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, he is meditating on the Word of God. He is meditating on the Word of God. From dusk till dawn, he is meditating on this. Do we do that? Go back to the two pathways. Yes, are you on the righteous pathway? I know that the Lord has redeemed me and saved me. I know that one day I'll see my Savior in heaven. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. But am I delighting in his word? Do I have a hunger and a thirst to be fed by the living word? Do I internalize and allow the Word of God to change me, to convict me, to teach me, to encourage me? See, David is saying that the righteous man can't get enough of God's Word. He can't get enough of it. Bill McDonald said it is impossible to visualize a happy man who is not also a man of God's book. Verse 3, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So you see that there is a, a simile here, or an analogy, that the righteous man meditates on the Word of God. He delights in the Word of God. He cannot get enough of the Word of God. And so therefore, because we have that hunger and that thirst to be filled with that daily manna, because of that, he's a firmly planted tree. And I immediately have to think of an oak, right? A strong oak. Firmly planted. Not a weeping willow because those have a weak root system and they blow over. A strong oak which is rooted and firmly planted in the ground. See, because what do healthy trees produce? Fruit. What is within the fruit? The seed for the next tree. Like, this, this is so, it's so incredible when you see the creativity of the Lord and the logic. He's a healthy and fruitful tree. Planted beside streams of water, there is a never-ending supply of nutrients and, 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 and water. I, I had, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you um, that years ago I was in, I was in the, the country of Peru. And, and it, was, uh, it, was, it was incredible. And uh, the, we went to this area on the Chilean border called the Atacama Desert. It's the driest place in the world. And, and in that desert, uh, you could see nothing but barren land. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable, the, the, the scenery. And we, uh, we were brought to this oasis. And it was, it was, you can look it up on the Internet. Ask me later what the name of it is because I've forgotten right now. But it, 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 is, it is gorgeous. It, it's exactly what you would think. You have this barren land, these sand dunes, they go for miles and miles and miles, and then boom, this bright blue oasis. What do you think was all around that oasis? Trees, life, fruit. Have you ever Google imaged, uh, have you ever, ever uh, uh, taken the Google satellite of the Nile River? Type in the Nile River and zoom out in the satellite view. You will see Gray and beige for miles and miles and miles to the left and to the right. But right along the Nile River, it's green. See, the word is saying here that the Christian is like a firmly planted tree that has a never-ending supply of water. It doesn't matter if it gets hot. It doesn't matter if there's a drought. It doesn't matter if it's frigid and, 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 and there's, there's frost and all kinds of other disease and Fungi or whatever, on the tree, there is a never-ending supply of water, and that water is filled with nutrients. What is that water, folks? For us. Yes. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. That's why David's saying, delight in it. 
That's why David's saying, let's go. I want to get home and get in God's book. I delight in it. Oh. The leaf will not wither. It doesn't matter what the external circumstances are. The leaves of that tree will not wither away. Notice how he talks about the water and he talks about the leaf. If a tree doesn't have a leaf, what can't it do? Photosynthesize. So the leaf won't wither. The tree has a constant supply of water. Within that water, there are nutrients that continuously fertilize the tree. What, do you, what is the result? A firm, strong, fruit-bearing, really, really, really valuable tree. Let's make that connection here. I am not valuable in and of myself. You understand that? If I produce any good thing, if I could do any good thing for my wife or for my kids or for my church or for my community or for the world, it's only because the supply of nutrients come from Him. That's it. Look, leave me apart from, from, from the vine and see what happens. Ask my parents about that from years ago. Not going to go there right now. D.L. Moody said, all of the Lord's trees are evergreen. I love, if you ever read Spurgeon, his sermons, or his devotional, he often starts off a point by saying, Christian. And I love that. So Christian, listen Christian, you know you're going to struggle, right? You know the storms of life are going to hit you. You know the Hurricane Irma's are coming. They want to wipe you away. <laughs> they want to rip the roof off your house. <laughs> Sickness is going to come. Death will be knocking at your door. Take heart. Because that supply of nutrients is not stopping that fertilizer doesn't run out. You delight in the law of the Lord. You take note to walk circumspectly, redeeming the time, not being influenced by those ungodly people. The fruit will be there continuously. Verse 4. We take a sharp turn here, obviously. <laughs> not so with the wicked. But they are like the wind, uh, the chaff, which the wind driveth the way. Okay? The wicked cannot claim those promises. The wicked cannot say, I am a strong, firmly planted tree. I produce fruit. No, you don't. No. The wicked cannot produce fruit. They don't stand. They don't stand with the Lord. They don't delight in His Word. They don't produce fruit. Their water supply is <laughs> absent. It is. There's a shortage of it constantly and consistently. Why? They don't meditate on the Word. They don't delight in His Word. In fact, they hate it. They hate it. They're like chaff, which the wind just blows away. You know that illustration or what happened with chaff. It was like a shell, uh, um, sort of like a, a dusty shell that surrounded the grain. So they'd go to the threshing floor with a shovel and they'd shovel into the, sh uh, the chaff and as long as there was a breeze that came by, they'd throw the chaff, uh, they'd throw the wheat up and then the wind would sort of blow the chaff off and, and it would go bye-bye and then the wheat or the grain would fall to the, to the ground. You know, farmers I was reading can't stand chaff. They're like, get that chaff out of here. It is worthless there's no value to it whatsoever. I want that grain. Let's go to the threshing floor. 
I want that green. That's my livelihood. Get this chaff out of here. We see in the Bible and other, in other accounts that, that the wicked uh, are likened to chaff constantly. Their end is destruction. Is that a hard word for you guys to hear? Sorry, it's the truth. So what does that bring you to? What, 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 does, what does that do to your heart when you know that at the judgment, the wicked, the ungodly will not be able to stand? I'm jumping further a little bit here. I'll, I'll just read it. For the Lord, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the unrighteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You know, when, it's time, when the time comes for the ungodly to stand before the judge, they will not have a leg to stand on. That's pretty much what that scripture means there. They will have no defense. They are not approved by God. They will not be acquitted. They will forever be in doom where there is weeping of gnashing and gnashing of teeth. You guys know that scripture. So what does that do to your heart? What does that do to your heart? Because I know that when I read that, what happened to me was my heart poured out for the lost. My heart said, don't get on your high horse because you're on the pathway of righteousness. Because there are too many out there that are not on that pathway. And they're about, at some point to their, in their life, to stand before the judge. And he is going to dismiss them like chaff. What does that do to your heart? Look at this awesome cross-reference. Proverbs 11.30 The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And the one who is wise saves lives. I, the Holy Spirit gave me that. I'm like, oh my goodness. Not only does it talk about fruit and tree, but it talks about the one who is wise, the one who is obedient, will go and share this good news. Because lives need to be changed and saved. King James says, whoever captures souls... Now, the King James says, he that winneth souls is wise. It's almost like, think of it this way. When you go to your work, and you go to your job during the day, when you go to school, when you are with your friends or family, we need to be that firmly planted tree for those who are on their way to hell. See, because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control. When the Spirit works through us, we can be encouragers. See, when the Spirit works through us on a daily basis, we can come alongside of somebody, saved or unsaved, and say, let me pray for you. Let me help you. The other night... I go to my open house. This has never happened to me in 11 years of teaching. I go to my open house the other night and I have to stand before the, teach, uh, the, 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 the parents and give a little spiel and I can't wait to get out of there. But uh, I, 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 I'm up there and I give my spiel and usually the Lord really does come upon me and I, and I, and I, I make it very known that I, I, I love to be there teaching their kids. I, I really do. So I finish. The bell rings for the second group to come in the second period. And a woman comes up to me. She's from Africa. I, I don't know where, but she was all adorned in her, uh, her getup. And uh, well, I, I'm sorry, I don't know the term for that. She had clothes on. <laughs> they were of African origin. Is that good? Okay. I finish... Given my spiel, the parents are leaving, new parents are coming in, and she walks right up to me. And she goes, hands on my shoulder, you're having a baby, and I need to pray for you right now. And she shook me and prayed for me and said, in the name of Jesus, I pray for his wife. I pray that this baby would be healthy. I pray that this man would, would, would be a father. That, that is, and, and she prayed and prayed. And I was very, it was very awkward because um, parents were coming in. I'm in, a very, uh, I'm in West Hartford, and, and this is not something that you would see. And she did not mince words. She spoke the name of Jesus, and she finished praying for me and walked out. 
we hold truth right here. We hold the good news. Where are you at with sharing that good news? Because sure enough, your family and your friends are going to stand before the judge. It should make your heart hurt. It should make your heart yearn to share some good news with them. I hope you all know that I don't preach this just for you. I struggle myself with that. What does this mean for us? I'm on a good pathway, Steve. I'm good. A couple of things in closing. Are you sure of your salvation? Are you sure of your salvation? Are you sure you're on that right pathway? Because I'll tell you what, the Pharisees were the righteous folks back in Jesus' time. And he said, you're like whitewashed tombstones. You're beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you're full of dead men's bones and all kinds of impurities. Are you a whitewashed tombstone? You look pretty from the outside in your Christianese language and in the things that you do. What did Jesus say in Matthew 7? He said, all kinds of people will come up to me and said, Lord, Lord, I helped you out here. I did this. I did that. He said, get away from me. I never knew you. So please be sure of your salvation. Please be sure that truly you've been redeemed, that you are transformed, and that you're not just doing the religious thing. Secondly, even if you're eternally secure, I can say that with a smile. I, I, I could say that because I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm overjoyed by that. I know I'm going to see Jesus one day. However, this is, this, this is crucial here. If any man thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. You hear it all the time in the news. This person goes down. This person goes down. This person was caught up here. This person was caught up there. If any man thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. There is an emphasis in that scripture in 1 Corinthians 10.12 that is on the man of God or the woman of God that is firm in their faith. They believe themselves to be firm in their Christian walk. And so because of that and because they preach from the pulpit, And because they lead Bible study and they do some youth ministry, I can dabble in a little of this sin. I can just taste it a little bit. Be sure that your destruction is sure. Not eternally. Scholar said, but you are placing yourself under the mighty disciplinary hand of God. In order for me to conclude, I just want to go back to the original problem. We cannot tread the righteous pathway apart from Jesus. You can't do it. It's impossible. It's an absolute impossibility. It's biblical absolutes here. The pathway of the righteous and the pathway of the ungodly. But, but, we see that often in Scripture, right? The work on the cross has covered our sin, has declared us righteous. And has placed us in a good standing before God. Do you understand the doctrine of justification? Paul talked about it in Romans chapter 5. David talked about it in Psalm 32. See, David knew, David knew that an unrepented heart was crushing. It debilitated him. So what did he say? Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. You and I, I hope, see, not only have you uh, been forgiven of your sin, this is justification, it's amazing, not only have you been forgiven of your sin, that's a part of it, 
but you have been declared righteous because of Christ. See, he took your sins upon himself and then took and then gave you his righteousness. David knew that, despite his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah. So have you been justified? Have you been forgiven? Have you been justified? Have you been declared righteous? Have you been forgiven? If so, fix your eyes on Jesus as you walk the pathway of life. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It's right here on my Bible, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It's talked about twice this morning. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and has now sat down at the throne of the Father. Let's tread the pathway of righteousness by fixing our eyes on Christ. By fixing our eyes on Christ delighting in his word and sharing that good news with so many that need to hear. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for this time. Lord, you are a great God. And Father, we love you. You've taken a sinner like myself who is bound for hell, bound for death, bound for destruction, dirty and wretched, Lord. You've made me clean by the blood of Christ. Lord, I pray that these words have penetrated the hearts and minds of so many today. I pray that, Lord, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would do the work now. Lord, help us to share the good news of of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that indeed the Christian can live a blessed, happy life in Christ. Lord, help us to share that good news, that Jesus came for the lost. So, Lord, again, thank you for this time, and we love you so much, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.